This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Bring out your date. Bring out your date. Here's one. I'm not dead. What? Nothing. Here's your nine puts. I'm not dead. Yeah. He says he's not dead. Yes, he is. I'm not he isn't. Well, he will be soon. He's very ill. I'm getting better. No, you're not. You'll be stone dead in a moment. Oh, I can't take him like that. It's against regulations. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Welcome to Friday the 13th, everyone, and it's a very scary day down here in the basement, partly because it's also National Skeptics Day. On second thought, it's not that scary. It's not that scary. Here's our scary question today. Should you let the fact that your neighbor and sister-in-law are stocking up on as many stocks as they can get their hands on bother you? And also, what should you do when unintended consequences hit your money-making efforts? And finally... What are our scary good ideas for the perfect app? Helping us with those topics, we welcome our special guest from the Dumpster Dog blog, Amanda Holden. Joining her, we welcome the author of Control Your Cash, it's Greg McFarlane. But that's not all. At the midway point of today's show, we'll share important last-minute tax tips with everyone staring the tax extension in the eyes with CPA Craig Cody. Not worried about taxes today? We'll also talk about year-end tax planning. And now, the guy who loves stepping on cracks on Friday the 13th, Joe Saul Seahawk. Oh, very scary day. Hey there. I am Joe Saul Seahawk, Ever Show Money on Twitter. And I can't wait to get into this episode because... Amanda Holden is somebody that uh, I find very, very funny and also uh, very, she's she's got fantastic insights. It's going to be a great show today with her and Greg. But first, it's going to be great for you if you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, because that's where you look when you're trying to shop over 92% of all the things available on the interwebs. You know, whether that is your checking account, your savings account, those credit cards that you're looking at. I love it when people hit me up on social media and say, hey, guess what, Joe? I just found great stuff at Magnify Money. In fact, there was a discussion I was in recently and somebody said, hey, I found 1.2% on savings at this bank. You should go there. Why would you go there when there's other banks that are offering 1.4? Like if you're going to go anywhere, why settle for suboptimal? That's why you use Magnify Money. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money for the win. And if you're trying to win with your financial picture, we have you covered. You know, you don't listen to this show to learn anything. You know where you go? 
you to stackingbenjamins.com and check out our courses. We have two courses, soon to be three, by the way. And the one that you're looking at right now, as you look at the end of the year, our Save 50 course. If you ever thought that you're not saving enough money, Save 50 will teach you how my business partner, Kathleen, saved over half of her income. It was easier than you might think. And she and I teach you how that works. She did it personally. I've taught other people how to do it. She's done it personally. I go through the financial planning steps of how to make that a reality for you. We start off with figuring out what your 50% number is, how to live on a shoestring without living in a shoebox, making life easier, ways to increase your income, and more. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash save 50. Imagine if you don't save 50%, you only get to 40%. Wouldn't that stink? Yeah, right. All right, that's it. Let's get in today's show because we've got tax tips We've got the Dumpster Dog blog, and we've got Greg McFarland. So let's get this party started. All right, let's walk across the basement here and dust off my dad's shortwave for another Friday. See if we can get the greatest minds in finance. We got a new one for you. I'm very excited. But first, let's go to Las Vegas, where Mr. Greg McFarland joins us. How you doing? I'm good, man. Mr. Control Your Cash. Hey, this is the first taping we've done since the uh, unfortunate event there across from Mandalay Bay. Um, we're, hopefully, you weren't in that area and nobody you know was in that area. I was not one of the unlucky 600. The closest I came is my friend's neighbor's kids, twin teenage girls. One got shot in the back, one got shot in the leg, but they survived. Oh, man. It's just, it's such a tragedy and so horrible to see. But we're happy that you're safe because we can't do because this. These girls, because these girls were photogenic, they ended up on Good Morning America. And I guess one of them had already been released. And the other one was in the hospital bed with the neck brace and the tubes and everything, but a camera on her. And George Stephanopoulos' opening line is, so, uh, Kimberly, whatever the hell her name is, how you feeling? Oh, my God. Well, really? I took a bullet to the back. How the hell do you think I feel? Right. I'm feeling pretty good. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that kind of shocks me that uh, we start with a question like that. Doesn't it shock you? <laughs> it doesn't shock me. <laughs> Any, anything that the network news would do. They were probably overjoyed that somebody who looks good could make it on camera and took a bullet but didn't get killed. Well, I'll tell you what shocks me. It shocks me that she would come on this show, that she'd lower her standards to be with us. From, she, she can still bail out. That's right. She still has time. But from Dumpster Dog Blog in Portland, Oregon, it's our brand new BFF, Amanda Holden. Well, hi there, Joe. And hi, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. And no, you know what? I'm not going to bail. In fact, I wore my finest fleece jammies for the occasion. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. Greg, do you got your fleece jammies on? You don't want to know what I'm wearing right now. <laughs> really oh, dear. Yeah. I don't. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness this is uh, audio only. Actually, I'm wearing my usual uh, afternoon getup for the round table, which is a motorhead shirt. It's a triple XL, which I deliberately bought three sizes too large, so I wouldn't be tempted to wear it outside of the house. And gym shorts and a bandana. Nice. Well, I don't I don't need a bandana because you've got a lot more hair than than I've got that you got to hold back. I've got uh, nothing. Amanda, you got your I, bandana on? I don't have my bandana on. No. Well, we got to coordinate. Just my holiday penguin jammies. <laughs> we we got to. I'm wearing this in honor of my father who got fired from a radio station 50 years ago because he would not wear a suit and tie. Really? Oh yeah. Real boy, how That's wild! How times have changed, huh? 
Radio. Yeah. I, yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> dumpster, dumpster dog blog. Tell everybody what your blog's about because I think it's pretty funny. I think your videos are pretty awesome. Tell everyone about Dumpster Dog Blog. Well, thank you. First of all, yeah. So I've I've got a blog. It's called the Dumpster Dog Blog. I call it hilarious, no BS finance education for for young women. And so actually, first came my my business, which is called Invested Development, where I actually go in and teach face to face young women, or of course anybody who wants to learn about investing and long term financial planning. And so I generally do these workshops that are one to three hours long. And it's kind of like one part finance, one part stand-up comedy, a little bit of inspiration. And so the Dumpster Dog blog actually started as a supplement and a home base for that. But it's it's definitely become its own strange, beautiful thing of its own. <laughs> it is. It is awesome. And uh, congratulations, by the way, on your Plutus Award nomination. That's awesome. Oh, well, I didn't even know that. So that's really? really great news. Yeah. Well, we, you heard it here first, Amanda. You're you're up for a Plutus Award. So. Oh, well, that's so that's that really makes my day. Yeah. So thank you. You uh, went eight months without buying food. Well, as as little as I could, as little as I possibly could. But of course, like, was I going to go starving? Of course not. And that's and that's not really the point of the post. And so so everybody knows he's referencing a story that I wrote about how I acquired this nickname that the dumpster dog, which you can find on the blog, of course, a, a little bit of background there. So I worked in investment management and I was specifically working as an investment counselor. And so that was in my mid 20s. It was it was, a, it was a great job for a young woman. I, I learned a ton, but guys, I also kind of hated it. Um, my job was basically talking old rich dudes off a ledge every time the stock market hiccuped, right? And so I decided that, you know, this is not what I want to do. I want to leave. I want to go to travel. And so I basically went through an eighth month period where it was just no holds barred spending freeze. That meant no social spending. It meant no shopping. But I also looked for some creative ways to stop spending. And so that's how I, I got this name, Dumpster Dog. It actually was from my coworkers at the investment management firm. <laughs> and, and for more details, you can head to the blog and, and read about it. But, but yes, that's the genesis of the name. Yeah, Greg, uh, thank God you've never had a job that you hated. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to think I, of how many of them I've had. I was gonna say I I, twenty I, fingers and toes. I, I think Amanda, you're in good company. I think Greg's hated every job he's ever had. So well, I kind of want to know the worst though. Uh, worst job I ever had was a uh, craps dealer at the El Cortez Hotel. Have you ever been to Las Vegas? I have. The El Cortez is the most repulsive, disgusting hotel downtown. It sounds right up my alley. <laughs> it, it, between gigs that I had uh, that I had a background for and easy money in Las Vegas to just deal and craps dealers get paid better than better than other dealers because the game is a little more complex than blackjack or roulette yeah. or whatever. And I went to dealing school, it's a six week program to learn all these complicated and arcane craps bets, finished it in three because I was the only person who didn't take smoke breaks. And I didn't realize at the time that the school is owned by the same uh, family that owns the casino that they put you in. They put you in at the El Cortez and then they, you, you sink or swim because you're probably going to quit in the first month. But if you don't, then the uh, family, the gone family that own the El Cortez would move you to one of their slightly better properties. And then you could move up from there and eventually end up somewhere good if that happens to be your career aspiration. So I went through the first day and I'm playing, I'm, I'm uh, dealing at a 25 cent table, 25 cent table. The maximum bet on this is $4. So the, the, these are whales. For craps, and right, right. For, for craps. 
And there's some bet on crabs. I've forgotten it already. I've bought that out of my mind. There's some bet that pays seven to six, but I thought it paid seven to five. So I pushed over $3.75 instead of $3.75, five whole dollars to this one player. And the, uh, the croupier, the pit boss on the other side whacked me with the croupier stick. He incorporated corporal punishment. And he said in his backwoods patois, you don't pay the man $5, you stupid son of a fam three seventy five. What the F is wrong with you? I was wearing my bow tie and my name tag and my little apron. And I thought, you know what? Best case scenario, if everything works out perfectly, I still have to come to this job tomorrow. Right. So <laughs> I looked him in the eye and I said, F you, you fat little redneck. And I walked away. I walked to the parking lot. They did not send security after me, which leads me to believe that I was not the first person to try this. Right. A few days later, I get a letter in the mail telling me that my $32.25 check is waiting for me and I have to pick it up in person. So I went down to pick it up and I had an exit interview with the 90-year-old patriarch of the family who was very, very pleasant. (laughs) Well, son, I'm sorry it didn't work out. And he's asking me questions about my life. And I'm like, sir, I really got to go because I'm parked downstairs. But he was so engaging. And sure enough, when I walked downstairs, I had a $20 parking ticket. Net benefit to me, $12.25. Thank you. Oh, that's some good math there. The the amount of money you made per hour is that's uh that's that's commendable. Considerably below minimum wage. Yeah, that's a that's a big job. Let's get this party started, huh? Because we've got three pieces waiting for us. And we're gonna start yeah. off here at Market Watch. This piece is by Mark Halbert. We've gotten to him before. Opinion piece, why your neighbor's stock buying should worry you. And Greg, I think we'll start with you. Mr. Halbert here is saying that U.S. households are buying more and more and more stock. The percentage of stock in their portfolio is going up and up and up, and that maybe we should be worried about that. I agree with him. However, Warren Buffett, who has about $68 billion in his portfolio, which is at least $67 billion more than Mr. Halbert, says that stocks are perfectly fairly priced. And sometimes I wonder if Buffett doesn't just like to toy with the rest of us and have us panicking. Stocks seem dizzyingly overpriced to me. And maybe this is just contrarianism at its highest levels. I was surprised to see that stocks make up 40% of the average household's assets. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that people are consciously allocating 40% of their wealth to stocks. It means that stocks have grown to that level. Yeah, right. Which Which means it might be time to rebalance. Right. Well, and I'm sure, Amanda, when you're teaching people about money, I think uh, saving is number one, but rebalancing is also important. Well, sure. And, and you know, the first thing that jumped out at, at me with this Holbert article is, and it doesn't say this, and so I can't know what the rest of, of the typical American's household allocation is. Could it also be because bonds are kind of a terrible option right now, yep. right? It's hard to compare how people are investing right now to how people invested in the 70s, for instance, or in the 50s, as he does. And so I I don't know. I don't really like that data point. I also think that there's really probably not any current or historical data point that we can use to extrapolate to the future of, of the stock market. Because, I mean, here's the thing, right? No one actually knows. No one knows what the correct or right price of a stock is. No one. Because if you think about it, knowing the right price of a stock or the stock market overall would quite literally require you knowing the future. And any prognostication about stock prices goes out the window if we say go to nuclear war tomorrow, which, sorry, that's like a really bummer example. But 
But all of this is kind of beside the point, I think, for 99% of us anyways, because even if you think that the market is close to boiling over, which you know I kind of tend to think that it probably is, but even if you think that, even if you think that there may be subpar returns for the next you know five years, 10 years in the market even, I mean, really, so what? If you're invested in stocks for the right reasons, which would be for very, very long-term returns, then none of this information really, really matters to you, right? You're thinking about investing wrong if you are using short-term predictions on the stock market to make asset allocation decisions, right? You use your goals and your time frame for the money to determine whether you should be invested in stocks or not. And and I think that I think that that's why I just don't like Holbert's article. And I, in fact, I find it kind of dangerous even. Like you never you never want to discourage people from doing anything other than spending the maximum amount of time investing in stocks, right? You know, someone might read this and think, oh, you know, fiddlesticks, I should stop investing in stocks right now. But like, no, if you have determined that stocks are appropriate for you and your goals over the long term, and and you can tell I, I typically work with young people in the way that I'm, I'm talking about this, you just need to keep adding money to the market as early and as often as possible as you can, knowing that downturns happen, right? They happen. So I guess in summary, never listen, never listen to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, Greg, I want to go back to something that Amanda talked about, which is people chasing stocks because everybody hears that bonds are bad. I think there's some truth to that. But if you don't, if you're staying away from bonds because you know we're in a rising interest rate environment and bonds do very poorly there, what do you do besides stocks? I was being slightly sarcastic when I said people need to rebalance because most people don't rebalance because most people aren't in stocks and bonds to any significant degree uh, to say nothing of more complex securities. They have wealth invested in their 401k and their houses and and that's it. So if if you take what I said literally, it's I guess I'm telling you to buy more real estate, which by and large doesn't move in tandem with the stock market anyway. But one important thing to remember is we still don't have much data. A uh, hundred years or so of the stock market is nothing. High levels now could portend an inevitable crash. I think they will, but maybe they won't. This isn't like yeah. sunspots or climate where we can go back hundreds of years. The stock market has only been around as something that affects daily life for barely longer than a human lifespan. So what we've seen from the 1890s until now, that might be the aberration for all we know. Yeah, so you agree with Amanda that fairly valued, who knows that they're fairly valued? Yes, I do. She's very insightful. Yeah, right. Oh, well, thank you, Greg. <laughs> when you help people first get into the stock market, let's talk to young investors here, Amanda. When you're talking to young people, they read an article like this where they see that stocks are dangerous. It seems to me that a young person thinks that this is a dangerous time to go in, so they stop. But really, if you're just beginning, it seems like a market that's about to go down. This is a great time to get started. Exactly. And I think that everybody is thinking about right now, right? Like putting that initial $1,000 in or $100 in or whatever it is and seeing it tank. And so, you know, I, I have to say this to people that I'm educating, you know, no matter what stage of the market cycle we're at, but especially now after many, many good years in the stock market, but that is that it could go down at any point. And I even say like, hey, it could go down 50% over the next couple of months. That's that's simply the reality of, of investing in stocks. But if it does stay down for a prolonged period of time, and, and let's say that you are able to you know, keep your job, obviously the scary part is that stock market 
crashes are often concurrent with recessions and people lose their jobs. But if you are able to keep your job and you're able to save and invest, it's it's a really great time to put more money into the market. And so I don't think that anybody needs to be like wishing for the market to crash by any means so that they can put more money in. But if you happen to have money to put in, I think that it's a great thing to do. Buy that on sale. Yeah, right. I I was going to try not to use any curse words this entire time, but Greg really blew the doors open on that one with his, with his crap story. So (laughs) you got, you got uh, bleeped out too. Congratulations. We're beeping everybody. Greg, you generally, I think have a philosophy of staying aggressive, even when markets go down, don't you? And again, this is part of my thing about not simply saying, all right, invest in stocks, invest in individual stocks. The Wilshire 5,000 has 5,000 different stocks on it. If you really want to take this seriously, yet you have to grind a little. You have to be the kind of person who enjoys reading and knows how to analyze a financial statement. What's that you say? You don't know how to analyze income statements and balance sheets? I got a book you might be interested in. It's called Control your cash. Control your cash. I heard Making it's a, money makes sense. I heard it's a fantastic book, and I heard the hardcover on Amazon is very hard to get. That's why you want to get the Kindle edition for a mere $7. And Len Penzo said it was the best personal finance book not ever written, but that he has ever read. There's overlap there. I, I was going to say, there's probably some correlation between the two of those. I would think. Yeah, there's got to be. Amanda, have you read Control Your Cash, the best personal I, finance I book? I haven't. I'll put it oh, on my list. Man, it's got to go up to the top. I'm telling you. Okay. Hey, got to take a quick time out from this great discussion with Amanda and Greg to say a couple words about our sponsor for the middle segment of our show. You know, wouldn't it be cool, especially now when we're all focused on taxes and tax time, year-end planning, to teach kids some of those great planning techniques that they need to stack Benjamins from the very beginning instead of learning the hard way after college, like I did. The problem is most kids don't learn money concepts in school. They don't get much in the way of hands-on experience of money at home. Well, guess what? FamZoo has the answer. It is a financial education app and prepaid debit cards for kids. People say, why did my kids need plastic? Well, where are they going to learn about the dangers of plastic if you don't teach them? And they're not going to spend money when they're shopping online. You can teach them better habits. They get their own individual cards to make their own purchases. They can't overdraft. They can't run up debt. The app makes it easy and quick to move money to the kids, keep an eye on their activity, and even lock the cards if necessary. Check it out. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash FamZoo. That's StackyBenjamins.com forward slash FamZoo. In fact, read the amazing FamZoo reviews on Facebook or iTunes from families all over, and you'll see that you just don't want to take my word for it. You should try it out yourself. All right. I first heard about Craig Cody when I heard about his incredible book for business owners. This guy's got some amazing tips for not just for small business owner, but also tax tips for individuals. So really excited that he was able to help us out today. Let's say hello, Craig Cody coming down to the basement. Well, this is special for a Friday. Instead of talking about fintech, coming down the stairs, certified tax coach, Craig Cody with us. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. I'm surprised that you're here in Texarkana instead of swamped with a bunch of paper because of how many people procrastinate on this deadline thing coming up. 
Yeah, it's a little common. It's a common thing. Yeah, why Why is it? Because I've got a stat in front of me that says in 1999, 5.5% of people procrastinated on their taxes. This comes to us from accountingtoday.com. But yet in the mid-2014, 2015 range, almost 8% of people procrastinate on their taxes. Why do you think that is? Is the tax code harder now? It's harder and people are just disorganized. They're working more. So many different things go into it, I think. Yeah. So now if somebody's got this deadline looming, anything that they can do, are there any any tax tips that they can take advantage of making 2016 look pretty at the last minute? Well, if they're a business owner and they haven't made their uh, self-employed pension contribution, they have okay. up until the time they file their return to do that. So that's that's the big one. And then there's people that haven't taken it. They have kids in college. They haven't taken care of the um, American uh, education, opportunity education credits. Nice. And that credit is uh, income based, correct? It's income based and it's also based on, you know, how much you spent for college, et cetera. And your preparer is not necessarily going to ask you for that document if you don't tell him about it. It's kind of like the doctor doesn't say, how are you doing today? You have to call him up and tell him I'm not feeling good. Yeah, which is, I think that's an important point because most people don't even know the right questions to ask when they talk to a tax preparer. We probably got to have you back on to talk about that sometime because that's a whole different story. But let's say that I can't make the deadline. It's just, there's no way that I'm going to make it. What do I do then? Okay. There's nothing for you to do if you can't make the deadline other than to try and get that return done as soon as possible. So basically, if you don't ultimately, if you're not going to owe money, you will not be penalized. Right. But if you also take advantage of maybe some different types of credits or maybe if you have a business and you have operating losses and there's elections that you need to make, you kind of lose the right to make that election and it goes to the default. So that can hurt some people, especially if they have capital losses, stuff like that. But the penalty is based really typically if you owe money. But if I don't owe money, no harm, no foul. Is there is there a failure to file penalty if I just don't file the tax return on time? Yes, there is a failure to file penalty, but it's based on how much you owe. Ah, gotcha. Okay. So, and what we see more often than not, most people will file, but then there are people that haven't filed in a few years. And there are people that procrastinate for a few years and they they think, well, I'm getting money back. But if you're a three, if you get outside that three-year window and the government owes you money, they're not sending it to you. You've lost that. Really? So, man, if you have a re- – because that's what I was going to say. You're just hurting yourself because the government's happy to hang on to your money. But if it's over three years, they're happy to hang on to all your money? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bad place to be. Yes, exactly. And, and it, it happens more often than you would think. No, I being a financial planner for uh, 16 years back in the day, I totally agree. I'm like, what are you waiting for? Well, you know, I just haven't gotten my stuff together. Is there a system that you like really well that you see people when you're working with them on their taxes that helps them make sure that they take advantage of the tax credits that are available, like you mentioned, for people with businesses or college? Is there any resource you like better than another one? No. Uh, the one resource that we find that works really good is a real old school resource called the Big Envelope. As all that tax data comes in, those envelopes, because especially the ones from college, they all say, you know, tax information. Just stick it in the envelope. At least the guy that's preparing your return or the girl will know to ask a question, okay, what's this all about? Yeah. And, and stick that next to the front door, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I even have my own big brown envelope. I do too. I learned that several years ago. So I'm glad you pointed that out because I know that uh, you probably have some people that just bring shoe boxes of stuff and it's half there <laughs> and then you got to send them home five times for more. We have one or two people like that. Yes. Uh, but we try and discourage that. Now, this time of year, people are also starting to look at some year-end tax planning. And while we have you here, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, are there any year-end tax planning tips you'd like people to really start looking at right now in October? Oh, yeah. there, there are Especially for business owners, there's a ton of stuff. And the main thing is plan, okay? Take the time and, and talk to your advisors and plan. What can I do differently? And it could be setting up a 401k plan. All right. It could be, okay, do I, am I operating out of the right entity? Can I make some changes now? Just really taking the time to talk with your team and see what can I be doing different? Awesome. Great advice. And and you've got, for business owners, you've got a download, uh, the 10 biggest tax mistakes. Tell me about that. Yes, that's a compilation. It's kind of like a smaller version of our book. And it's a bunch of tax mistakes that most business owners seem to make. We'll give you a link. Uh, it'll be uh, CraigCodyandCompany.com forward slash Stacking Benjamins. Awesome. Um, and it'll take them to a landing page and they could request a, a free download of that. Cool. CraigCodyandCompany.com forward slash Stacking Benjamins to get that. And by the way, the book, uh, Secrets of a Tax-Free Life, I always like hearing about surprising write-off strategies that I might have missed. Oh, yeah. I'll give you a real quick one. How about the home athletic facility? Home athletic facility. What's that all about? So if you have a home office, then you are allowed to have what we call our home office uh, at home athletic facility, which can be your gym in your home or can be your pool in your home. It has to be for your employees and their families, which is you. You should be an employee and your employees and your families are allowed to use it. And you get to write off, let's just say, the cost of operating your pool. And it's a legitimate deduction that's in the IRS code. Sure. And and it makes sense because as a business owner, I need a place to relax. And, you know, companies like Google have that. Why can't I have it even if I'm a small business owner? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. So you should be taking advantage of everything all the big dogs do. Nice. Absolutely. Craig Cody, thanks for spending a few minutes with us, man. We'll have a link, by the way, to all the stuff we talked about at stackybenjamins.com. But thanks for hanging out. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great one. Big thanks again to Craig. And we'll have links to Craig's book and that white paper at stackingbenjamins.com. All right, let's head back to our great discussion with Amanda Holden from the Dumpster Dog blog and Greg McFarlane, the author of Control Your Cash. Let's, let's go to our next piece, which comes to us from the New Heights Financial Planning blog. This is a financial planner who wrote this, how driving for Lyft cost me over $2,000. And it turns out, well, Greg, do you mind going over what this uh, financial planner did that cost him over 2000 bucks? Absolutely not, because I prepared for the roundtable. <laughs> uh, this guy was a financial planner who took what the personal finance blogs call a side hustle and decided that he would drive for Lyft. When he decided to drive for Lyft, he had a car that I believe already had an extended warranty, which that, that's a whole thing in itself. But long story short, driving for Lyft, i.e. commercial use of your vehicle, voids the warranty or voids the extended warranty. So he was left with, I think it was a broken water pump or something that ended up costing him $2,400. So it wasn't working for Lyft in and of itself that cost him this big expense 
but rather his failure to, again, read the fine print. Now, I'm astonished that simply driving for Lyft will void your warranty or have your insurance canceled. And I believe that also happened to him as well. Right. It seems a little extreme. I, I don't know why this would be based on anything other than number of miles driven along with the other stuff like DUIs and tickets and that kind of thing. Well, they must think that a lot of people lie on their mileage because, Greg, when they ask you how many miles you're going to drive in a year, I mean, I just, I throw a dart. I don't know how many miles I'm going to drive in the next year. Do you? Look who you're talking to here. Of course I do. Of course you uh, I, I average about 30,000 miles a year. That's split among two vehicles, one in here and one in the place where I winter. And I'm not above lying through my teeth to Geico or Progressive or whoever I'm with now. Yeah. And telling him that, yeah, maybe I'm not that. Amanda, maybe, you, maybe a little more conservative. Maybe I'm riding a bike everywhere. <laughs> Amanda, do you know how many miles you drive your car every year? I mean, ahead of time? I, I cannot say that I do. And it, it also it varies for me. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, t I try to be honest about it. But it was a surprise to me, too, to hear that something like that could could affect or cancel your your insurance. I really didn't know that. Yeah, that's a surprise. And I want to talk about some places where you guys might have gotten gotten hit by the fine print. And Amanda, if you don't mind, we'll start with you. Any any uh, stories of a place where you went, well, yeah, that ended up being a bad decision and I didn't see it coming? Well, for starters, and this is, of course, the, the financial blogger in me talking, um, when I first started investing, it was with managed mutual funds. And so that's one that we talk about a whole lot in the financial blogging community. But I mean, managed mutual funds, some of them are are the, the voice to the voice. And I worked in investing and I simply did not know that these fees were involved, that they had these expense ratios. And most of all, I didn't understand how fees compound. And so when I was, you know, when I was reading this and I was thinking of, okay, what are some ways where I've really been caught on hidden fees or expenses? that's one of the main ones. It wasn't that impactful for me because I was able to suss it out very early on, but I thought it would be a good one to bring up just because if, if you're using managed mutual funds and you've got a whole hodgepodge of managed mutual funds, you definitely want to crack those open and see how much you're paying because you might be paying too much to get broad diversified exposure to the market that you could really just get with an index fund at a low fee. How did you end up finding out that information? Do you remember where you were? Oh man. So, well, I worked at an investment management firm. And so I was surrounded by people that were talking about investing all of the time. And so I, I started as an associate and we weren't really talking about it there. But when I moved to be an investment counselor specifically, you know, I'm working with guys that are talking about investments nonstop. And also I'm answering questions about investments nonstop. And, and I have to know the ins and outs of, of these types of things for, for my job, but then also for myself. And so, you know, it was, it was a gradual learn at work. And I, of course, changed everything over immediately. Right, right. Greg, how about you? Where did you uh, find yourself get caught inadvertently? Uh, always failure to read the fine print. I made the mistake of signing off on rental car coverage once and only once not realizing that my existing auto policy would cover it. It ended up costing more than the rental itself. I did that once. It's worth the annual fee for an American Express Platinum card, by the way. If you rent a lot of cars, it will cover you up to like $75,000, I think. Plus, again, your own policy, unless you're this poor guy who is driving for Lyft, will probably take care of you. Also, I have a more recent example for you. Something I'm enjoying right now. My idiot health insurer, Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield, are they a sponsor? No, no. And, and after this story, they probably won't be just like that casino is not going to be either. <laughs> they covered my knee replacements, which I've had four of in the last year and which have rendered me in a mobile hunk of meat. However, 
they didn't cover all of the requisite physical therapy visits. I'm allowed 20 visits per calendar year. That's it. Problem is, I need 18 visits per knee replacement. Therefore, wow. that's 16 more than my allotment this year. Now, why the insurer would cover the $19,000 surgery, but not the requisite 550 times 18, uh, excuse me, 55 times 18, $990 worth of aftermarket care. I have no idea. It's like fire insurance covering rebuilding your house's frame, drywall, and exterior, but specifically stating that you're only entitled to 60% of a roof. Now, I didn't have much choice in that matter, though. Thank you, Obamacare, seven insurance plans, and eight primary care physicians in seven years. It's not as if I can switch horses in the middle of the race. So instead, I bitched to my state insurance commissioner and added the expenses to the lawsuit. I'm filing against the surgeon who did the first two replacements and screwed them up and whom the insurer approved of in the first place. Bottom line, check back with me in a year. We'll see what happened. Wow. So, but the point is, is that you, is that you didn't, and I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because... Because I'm trying to distill that. The point is, is that you didn't read the fine print before the surgery and should have known you're saying that you didn't have enough physical therapy. Yeah. So now I've got my physical therapist yeah. and my doctor writing letters to the insurer saying, hey, dumbass, if you're going to if you're going to approve the surgery, you have to approve the care. Other, if if you expect my patient to get his knee replaced, but not go to physical therapy, then you're just asking for more surgery and stiffness and God knows what else down the road. Mine is closer to Amanda's, which is, and by the way, I had a rental car thing, Greg. I planned a family trip. I realized that if I went through Enterprise Rent-A-Car, I could get the car much, much cheaper to go from my house in Michigan with my young family out to Yellowstone and back. We were doing this monster road trip. Pretty exciting. Going to go to Dinosaur National Monument, go whitewater rafting, do all kinds of fun stuff. But Enterprise was a bunch cheaper. Didn't think at all about the fine print. I get to the car. I have everything, by the way, waiting at my house for this SUV for me to fill it up with camping supplies and head west. And the and it says on the rental agreement that I'm not going to drive it out of the Midwest. I'm not going to drive it out of Michigan, Indiana, Ohio. It's going to stay in those three states. And uh, I've got my whole family waiting for a vacation. I don't have another car ready. I just signed on the dotted line. And I remember when I brought that car back with all of these, you know, tons of miles going out to Wyoming and back, uh, just just coming up with, I don't like lying because, you know, what's that phrase? I don't lie because because I don't have a good enough memory. <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm trying to come up with this doozy about how my brother moved to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and we had to make like 12 trips to justify all the mileage. And I remember going in there and uh, and telling the people, yeah, hey, great car. They're like, how'd you like the car? Loved it. Okay, we're going to go out. We'll check the mileage, check the car. And the whole time my heart's beating out of my chest. Person just comes back in, looks at me and goes, yeah, yeah, it's great. So I got away with that one. But the one I didn't get away with, which is closer to Amanda's story, I bought XM stock on a whim and the stock went from $2 a share to 30 right? So I took a little bit of money, turned it into still not a huge pile of money, but turned it into a much, much bigger pile of money. And I decided, like a smart person, Amanda, that I would diversify. Doesn't that sound smart? Sounds smart. So I, but... cut, so I, so I cut it in half and I bought Sirius Satellite Radio with the other half. And then XM and Sirius merged and uh, I ended up owning all the same stock and it went all the way back down. And I didn't end up diversifying at all. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dumbest move ever. So, all right. See, we all make mistakes. Let's move on to the. Yeah, yeah, Greg. Detroit to Yellowstone and back is 3,300 miles. That was for over how many days? Over what? Uh, 12 days, I think. That's awesome. So, And you do sound like the greatest father in the world. Mine never took me to Yellowstone. Oh, it was so fun. Well, you're a National Parks guy. Oh, yeah. I've been to Yellowstone many times. Uh, love seen, bear, seen bears in Yellowstone in the Idaho part. I saw black bears up close. We had a grizzly bear that was way, way, way far away. But we were getting ready to hike a trail, and there was a bear, a black bear, that was... Uh, pacing at the just at the at the trailhead so we ended up waiting and uh ended up leaving there but um yeah that's as close as we got to a bear you remember the mnemonic for when you see a bear no if it's black fight back if it's brown lay down if it's white good night oh really i heard yeah, that i've never heard that one well i heard that comedian who said that you know if 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 you're being attacked by a bear, one of the last things to do and you realize it's not going to stop is to try to hit it in the nose with your fist. And if that doesn't work, hit it again with your stump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I went to I actually went to Glacier National Park last year and I, I did a big, big hike across Glacier National. I went to Yellowstone as well. I didn't get to spend as much time there, but I had to laugh when we we're watching the video on like what to do if a grizzly bear attacks you. I mean, it's like this, these very calculated moves, like roll over, make sure your backpack's on top of you. If it swipes you roll with the swipe. And it's like, you, do you, if I'm getting attacked by a grizzly bear, you think I'm going to remember these things? Right, right. What was step two? Right. It's, it's like, it's like when you're 16 years old and you get your driver's license, if you're hydroplaning, make sure to drive into the skid. Right. Okay. Works great between the pages of a book in practice. Not so much. Yeah, yeah I, 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 similar. I heard somebody say that if you are about to hit a deer on the road, you should actually speed up to like hit it up over your car. I was like, do you think if I see a deer, I'm going to think, you know what I should do? I should yeah. speed up right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should hit it really hard. That's crazy. <laughs> Let's move on to our final piece, which uh, longtime listeners know we always end with something very serious. And this one comes to us from our friends at Money Lion. They were on our fintech segment recently and wrote me that they had this new little app that you can put on your phone, which does something pretty useless, but but also pretty fun. If you are, let's say, at a a bar and you sit to get a drink, in the case of Greg, you're getting a uh, glass of water because in control your cash, it says that I'm not getting a glass of water. I'm getting a Diet Coke. (laughs) I'm actually going to spend money. So so Greg's getting a Diet Coke and, uh, and the bill comes. You can actually set the amount of money you have on your bank account in your bank account you can see it on an app as if it's sitting right next to your drink so you can see how much money you have in your stash and i don't know amanda would that help you spend money better you know it it's hard to say and i'm i'm a little bit embarrassed to admit it because i i'm guessing that the stacking benjamins podcast audience is like they you guys are really you really love money apps but i'm not really a money app person i'm not really an app person in in general i'm i'm pretty clinically distracted so it's just not that productive for me but i do like this idea of checking this app while you're out and socializing and spending because if there is one thing that i could use some serious help on it's it's definitely social spending but I feel like, you know what? I feel like I need an app that like actually like reaches out and punches me in the mouth when I've had too many drinks. Like that's what I need. Out well, that, that was what I was going to ask is what app would help you. So you, you want the mom that slaps you and goes, Hey, it's time for you to sober up and come home. 
yeah, like maybe it actually needs to shock me <laughs> or something. <laughs> but even then, I probably, I mean, I, I don't know that an app's going to stop me from that. But I do appreciate that the, the visualization can help. Greg, Greg, I know you've downloaded this app already and you're using it on all your transactions. I've downloaded FlightAware and Night Sky, and that's about it. I'm sure Amanda knows this, and I'm equally sure that you, Joe, do not. There is a British celebrity named Amanda Holden. There is. I do not. You're right. Britain's got talent judge Amanda looks incredible as she displays her age-defying physique in a tiny black bikini during a Portugal getaway. <laughs> Great. Guys, terrible news, not me. <laughs> 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 Although I was in Portugal a month ago, which is funny, but that oh. still was not me. I did not put on a bathing suit at any point. <laughs> Amanda is famed for her stunning figure, which she often shows off in a series of racy figure flashing ensembles. And there's a picture of her in a racy figure flashing ensemble. But wait a minute. That's what you're known for, Greg. Your racy ensembles. It sounded like with your with your Motorhead T-shirt, you're known for your racy ensembles. Guilty as charged. I dress much more presentably when there's the danger of a camera being on me. Well, tell me about the app that you really, really, really want in your life that uh, nobody's making. The One Money app that I used, and this was so long ago that I had a Palm Trio instead of the Apple iPhone 6S that I have in my hand right now. And God, I can't remember the name of it, but but yeah, you could you could simply input every purchase you made. And maybe 10 years ago, that was something that appealed to me that doesn't now. It probably exists, but I would love to see an app that shows the amortized value of every credit card purchase you make if you were to make only the mon monthly minimum payments. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It probably wouldn't still change people's behavior. But but what if it did what Amanda is talking about and it reached out and slapped you when you decided to go buy it? That, that might help her. Right. Or maybe or maybe maybe it does something in the reverse where it shows you how much you could have if you had invested that money using compound returns over 40 years. Right. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. It shows you the other side of the uh, what do they call it? Opportunity cost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Like you could either buy this ten dollar, you know, pack of G strings or you could invest it in the market. <laughs> I'm making those decisions all the time, Amanda. So I'm glad you use that analogy. <laughs> You're welcome. That's awesome. I like the way Amanda thinks. That's awesome. I think we're gonna. I think we got to leave it there. I think Amanda just dropped the mic. So, uh, <laughs> Greg, tell me that uh, you are out there uh, writing all over the place, and uh, life is good. Uh, life is fantastic. Thank you. We're gonna be uh, dusting off and firing up. Control your cash within weeks with a brand new redesign. Amanda, thanks for joining us. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm I'm sure that uh, this is the first time and probably next time you'd be like, no, no, thank you. I got to go study for my blood test. I can't make it. <laughs> I would be honored to come back <laughs> if you would have me. <laughs> so, so tell me what's coming up on the Dumpster Dog blog. Yeah. So I mean, check out the Dumpster Dog blog. I try to put something up. I try to do it every week, but it doesn't always happen that way. And so, you know, just talking about you know, all things money, um, anybody who wants to learn about money, specifically long-term financial planning and investing, you know, I mentioned earlier that it's for young women, but really it's for anybody, any person that wants to learn and, you know, any person that likes their finance served up with the side of boner jokes. That's kind of what I'm offering, <laughs> Joe. I, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty funny and I'm like, oh, she'll be great on our show because- you know, if you ever learn anything here, it's, you, you know, keep it to yourself. So 
uh, <laughs> I, th- I thought it you you teach way more and still manage to be hilarious. So thanks thanks a lot. Well, by the way, we'll link to the Dumpster Dog blog and uh, to Greg's book Control Your Cash, the best book that Len Penzo's ever read, on our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Thanks for playing, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, that's going to do it for today. Hey, guess what? We've got some big news coming out of the basement for you. But first, we always talk about how much money people save going to magnifymoney.com. Every Friday on this show, we head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney, where we could look up balance transfers, cashback rewards, 0% interest cards, personal loans, student loan refinances, auto loans. But we're going to look at savings accounts and savings account interest rates and Interest rates have been climbing up. 1.4 has been the highest rate that we've seen. And look here as I click on this. We still have three banks at 1.4% like we had last week. And what I like about Magnify Money is we can look at the fine print score. Very transparent. I put in, for some reason, I put in 11000 It says I'm going to save $154. I get $154 in interest that I wasn't getting using Magnify Money if I go to 1.4% with Live Oak Bank. Uh, minimum balance is zero, and uh, there's a user review there. And then, same thing for Dollar Savings Direct, except that it's a $1 minimum balance. Then Poplar Direct has very complex fine print, and it's a $5,000 minimum balance. So I can see there what my top three are. Very easy, stackybedjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. And when you're ready to learn about finances, guess what? You don't want to learn on this show. You want to be able to learn on your own. And by the way, if you're going to learn about money management, would you rather do it from the nerdy person next door who's going to talk in big time jargon, or would you rather have a little fun with it? Well, Stacking Benjamins, where we specialize in entertaining ourselves and bringing you along with us, we offer courses and one course, Save 50, I was telling you about earlier, and we're going to take you for a ride in this course where you learn not only how to not just start being motivated to save more money, but how to save half your income for the rest of your life and stay motivated. The mechanics, how to get that money to stay, stay, stay saved, stay saved. That's easy for you to say, stay saved and how to live on a shoestring. So how to cut your expenses, how to raise your income, the mechanics of getting money to stay saved and putting that whole process together. It's not about discipline. Saving more money is a process, and we try to give you the entertaining way to saving more money. StackingBenjamins.com. Scroll down. You'll see our Stacking Benjamins courses, and that's Save 50. Save and the number five zero. All right. We play a game on these episodes, and our game actually is over for this segment. We have a winner, and I'll tell you uh, here soon who the winner is not going to tell you today. And I'll also explain what the game was, but no game this week game has come to a conclusion and we do have a winner. So instead let's just focus on what's going on here in the basement next week. We start off with Monday with one of my favorite things and that's answering your letters, a whole host of your letters on Monday. And then on Wednesday, Chris Reining, listen to this. He was a guy who was working the corporate office job, looked across the hallway, saw somebody in the next cubicle 30 years older than him and thought, really, do I really want to do this? He ended up quitting his job and retiring in his late 30s. 
So if you're interested in the fire movement at all, uh, or if you're just inspired by hearing somebody go from being in the rat race to getting themselves out of it, Chris Reining is going to talk about that on Wednesday. Then next Friday, this is my big news out of the basement. We're changing it up here on Fridays. Friday show is going to look and smell a lot more like the Monday, Wednesday show. That doesn't mean that OG's here. It means that our roundtable group, they're going to go through the headlines. We'll have a shorter headline segment with more discussion on one headline. We'll then have a guest that will normally be from either tech or will be our friends, Catherine Minshew, uh, from the muse.com or the evil HR lady, uh, or like this week, a special guest in a timely spot like Craig Cody, but a generally shorter guest spot than on Monday or Wednesday, even though our Monday, Wednesday guest spot is 15 minutes. Uh, we try to keep it at 15. It's going to be closer to 10 on Friday, but then the round table band is going to answer your letters. will answer a voicemail call and they will also take your written letters Uh, So that'll help us uh, stay caught up too. And I'm going to cherry pick letters because some letters are better for us to answer in a roundtable format than others. But that's next Friday format here changing slightly to become uh, more like the Wednesday show and the Monday show. That's it. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. We got a great week next week. Go stack some Benjamins. Bye-bye. Special thanks to Amanda Holden from the Dumpster Dog blog for joining us today. You'll find links on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Greg McFarlane appears courtesy of Control Your Cash. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC. The show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Also, special thanks to Joe's mom for all the Friday the 13th jokes. Check out this one. What do Italians eat on Friday the 13th? Fettuccine Alfredo. <laughs> yeah, no, not really. Nice try, Joe's mom. What was that? It's called the medium sketch. The medium sketch? Yeah, it wasn't rare and it certainly wasn't well done. <laughs> Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and 
their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.